Just a quick programming note before we get started. With this being the episode where we recap the whole season and look forward to next year, it was by far our longest podcast, around two hours in total. So what we've done is we've cut the full episode into three more manageable parts. Here in part one, you'll hear our recap of the NCAA tournament games and our interview with head coach Sasha Sarovsky. Enjoy. The shot, a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the terms up 1-0. Sadich coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, it sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the terms! Now Sadich plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the terms. Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elmy has the room, he shoots it in. Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Hervé there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in. Donovan Pines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it. Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Welcome into episode 14 of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. Now, it's been a little while since we have talked to you guys. It's about three weeks to the day since the last recording of a podcast we're recording this on december 12th probably won't come out for a little while but a lot has happened since then including two maryland games and thanksgiving and finals and a bunch of other stuff so as always i'm brendan hartlove and for this special edition of the ludwig lowdown our season recap we have a three-man booth rocking today in night hall myself tom hendel and joe malfa the gang's all here guys it's all here oh my lord so this will probably be our last podcast until the spring now Joe, you are a senior. You are graduating. It's true. Uh, next week. It's uh, true. Yeah, less than a week. By the time this comes out, I might be graduating. That is true. Actually. Uh, that's oh actually, my. that's oh very my. true. Joe has already graduated by the time this comes out. So, congratulations. Give it up for uh, hey, Joe uh, Malfa, everyone. Well, yeah, give it up for Joe Malfa. Thank you. Thank WMEC's you. first graduate of the year. Yes. Um, and so. It's taken him 17 years, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe's actually 48, guys. I, I wonder if, if I'll be this. the. Well, I guess we're really doing some time exception here. So by the time you hear this, better. Maryland basketball will probably have already played Seton Hall. And I will have already graduated. Yeah. I wonder if I'm going to be the first alum to broadcast a game just because of availability and being in the area. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if an alum has ever broadcasted a game for WMUC. Um, I might have to ask Connor, but not Let's... like I might have to have him come back. But <laughs> anyways, none of that's really all that relevant. And as you can tell, having the three of us here in a room together is very dangerous territory. This is going to be fun. Strap um, in for the next two and a half hours. Everyone. Exactly. So we are going to try our best not to talk over each other to the point where you end up just turning off the podcast but i do have to warn you this is gonna be a fairly long podcast because we have a lot we want to talk about and we are going to or i'm going to sit down with sasha sarovsky next week which is why this one won't come out for a little bit while just because of sasha's availability um talk with him so the rundown it's quite a long one probably our longest of the year but we're going to try to kind of speed through it 
Um, we're going to recap the Iona win in the first round of the NCAA tournament, which feels like years ago. My. It's the lowdown rundown. It's the lowdown rundown. Was Thank this, you. Only took us to episode 14 to come up with that. Was that a month ago? Iona. Almost exactly. Um, right. Let's see. We no. switch over to really? Brendan's calendar. And it was – no, it was exactly three weeks ago. So we uh, had the yeah, podcast yeah, come yeah, out yeah, 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 yeah. on the – come on, Tom. Um, so <laughs> we're going to recap that. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, exactly. We're going to recap the Iona win, recap the Wake Forest loss, and I'm not really spoiling it at this point because it's been uh, two if and a half If you don't weeks. know the results at this point, exactly. you're in for a shock when you turn on the College <laughs> Cup this weekend. You yeah. don't see Maryland, honestly. Yeah. So well, more importantly, I don't think you're tuning in to the College Probably. Cup. Probably. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're going to recap both of those games. Then we're going to go to our interview with Sasho and – my plan with him is to just kind of talk about this year because it's been a lot of ups and downs. And when we do our season recap, we're not going to go game by game. We talked about this kind of bigger, broader themes of, of this year we think is the better way to do it. So I'm going to Big ask him about about a lot of those kinds of things and maybe a little bit about next season as well. And then when we come back from that, you'll hear our takes on the 2019 Maryland men's soccer season. We're going to have a little bit of season superlatives. And on episode two, Tom and I did our preseason superlatives, and I'm going to bring those back and just show how incredibly wrong he was. My um, I wish I did those, too. I probably would have been really wrong, too. We didn't do that for the first episode. The first yeah. episode, we just kind of gave, like, general season-long predictions. We didn't have much of a plan for this episode. We I really went did. back and listened to the first two episodes in the past two days. My, how far we've come. We didn't really have a plan. We yeah. just kind of sat down and talked. I just Now, granted, the, 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 the general season predictions that I gave as we were talking about off-air before we yes. started, I was pretty good yes. at oh, here So we'll, we come, we'll come back we'll, to we'll that. We'll come back to we'll those briefly. Oh, just here just we a little go. tease for you, you know. Thinks he's graduating and he can <laughs> show off about everything. So then, uh, after that, we're going to go to our Pro Terps because a few seniors on the team that could become Pro Terps in just a couple of weeks. And then there is a lot of other pro terps going on. Um, some guys we haven't really talked about too much this season, but we figured with this being the last one for probably a month or two, probably a little bit longer, I uh, want to talk about that. Don't lie. And Next week you're going to FaceTime me and say <laughs> I miss Maryland so good. No, I mean, we've already reached that point, but it's just a matter of I need to stop so I can move on to other things and uh, just – basketball and things like that and, and family i'll be home you'll be oh, in you have one of those i do actually believe it or not they're <laughs> like half the listeners of this podcast no not necessarily but Hi, Mom. um the re <laughs> the reason we're doing this now is because tom and what like a little less than a week you're flying back to california until yeah. the start of spring mm -hmm. semester and joe you're going i mean on, i'll be back here on, on january your 6th, pastures. but like i, I assume yeah. joe's oh, okay. going to be in naples what do you love no, we'll, we'll talk about that later <laughs> so we'll do the pro terps where are we We'll do the Pro Terps then. A little bit about next season, just because this will be Joe's final platform to be able to actually it's discuss true. this with an audience. And then sure. we will do our closing <laughs> thoughts just of the year, and we will wrap things up. So we've already wasted plenty of time just going through the rundown. So first, I'm just going to kind of blow through the Iona recap, just like how Maryland blew through Iona. So it was the first nice. round of the NCAA tournament. Thank you. 4 nothing win for the Terps, including three second-half goals. Justin Gielen opened the score in the 20th minute. Eric Matzlevich, a beauty of a goal in the second half, just a curling effort into the top corner to make it 2-0. Then Malcolm Johnson picked up his fourth goal of the season in the 72nd minute. And Luke Brown converted a penalty kick in the 81st minute for his first Maryland goal. It took until the postseason but he got Better it. late than never. He got one, and that's all that matters. True. Exactly. My favorite wholesome moment of the season, by the way. Yeah. I've never seen Tom smile bigger than when he came into my booth after the game. Yeah, after, no, but Sasha was like, was like, let Luke take it, let Luke. Except he has a you know very different voice. Yeah, and man's, man's stepped up. <laughs> Proud of him. 
Yes. Yeah, so uh, with the Terps 4 nothing win on that Thursday, they went down to Winston-Salem, North Carolina on Sunday to take on fourth seed to Wake Forest. And I made that trip along with James Mahoney. And it was, it, first of all, it was a fantastic atmosphere. It took us six hours to get there, but James and I had a delightful drive down. Did you cookout? We did. Yep. Good. Right after the game. Good. Is it that not good? quite in and out? It's not I was going to say because look, you're talking to the kid who lives in LA here. <laughs> so, what are they in and out? Fifty feet of crap. Everything else. Well, cookout and in and out are very, very different. Yeah, places. but everyone yes. makes that argument. It's like, ooh, it's not the same. But it doesn't no, mean it can't no, be better. That's not. That's not. I'm just saying in terms of comparison, in and out is a burger place first and foremost cookout the the whole the whole point of cookout i can't believe we're having this conversation right now <laughs> is that you can get so much food for so little money yes they're they, very different places now I, I, i'm saying it, the reason for going to these places is yes cookout has quality you're food drunk at 2 a.m is the main <laughs> well, reason <laughs> i mean we we were it was like 11 p.m we were just sad after the loss and so yeah we went to cookout anyway so james and i went to winston-salem spry stadium Beautiful stadium, really is. Look, it was lovely. behind Ludwig. I remember when the uh, earlier this year was it this year? I don't know. They're blurring together when the <laughs> rankings of college venues yeah, came it out. Was it was this, this year. year. It was in the summer. Uh, it was right up there with Ludwig. So, yeah, uh, it's no surprise that it was. It was great. And so they so they don't surprise. have they only have stands on one side. They're pretty big bleachers, and then the field. But it's very beautiful campus. Very very scenic. But then they have like a wall behind one of the goals where I guess their kind of student section was, where it kind of leans over. It's like a brick wall, what you would expect from like Wake Nicholas Forest. Nicholas <laughs> Well played. Well played, my Very friend. Very nicely done. Um, but, I mean, in that game – Wake Forest was just the better team. They they are yeah. a very classy, sure. and we've seen that now ending up in the College Cup. And so the College Cup will have happened by the time this comes out. So that's, again, one of those weird kind of meta things where we don't really we're, – yeah. we're talking about it, but we don't really know the outcome of Crazy it. Crazy, bro. Um, so, but they are a very, very solid team. And it was pretty close for the, the early goings. But Wake Forest, I mean, immediately – I was doing color in the first half, so I felt like I was a little more aware of some of the finer details. But – they were just exploiting Maryland's back line in a way I haven't seen a team exploit them this year, and that was playing kind of very crisp through balls between the center backs and the outside backs yeah. in those channels that really gave Maryland some trouble that they haven't had so far this season. But that wasn't how they got their opening goal in the 25th minute. It was a corner kick, one from the training ground. And they yeah. kind of played it out to the top. It was a long shot, deflected off of a, a turp somewhere along the line, and Bruno Lop was there to tuck it in. So – Early lead for Wake Forest. We've talked time and time and time and time and time and time again about how difficult it is for Maryland to play from behind. And that's kind of what we saw there. Wake Forest in the 50th minute doubled their lead and then the final minute of play scored third, ended 3 0. And you could really, really tell in that game just how tired Maryland was. They, I mean, yes, a little bit of a quicker turnaround with Thursday to Sunday. You've had a very long season, a lot of injuries, but it was a combination of Maryland just kind of not having it on the day, but also Wake Forest being very, very class. And so, Tom, we'll just kind of start with you on your thoughts, and we'll go down the row. Well, I mean, you know something's gone wrong when Matt and Ben DeRosa look that exhausted. Yeah. Yes. They they were just ex- they were exploited time and time again. Wake Forest played super, super wide, put the wingers right on the touchline, and just stretched the Maryland defense. And when you haven't got your legs, that is the worst thing you can be doing, just chasing the game like yeah. that. Wake Forest was crisp. They 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 were active and they they found ways to exploit Maryland. What I will say is that that first goal, I remember watching that first goal, I was thinking, come on, you score like that. Yeah. 
of yeah. all the beautiful flowing attacks they yeah. put together a little sort of deflected into the it wasn't but it, it was deserved mm -hmm. and you know second half Maryland just looked tired so. yeah, I mean, it's basically the same thing that at the end of the day it just kind of showcased that while Maryland at times looked like a top team this year like when they came out and blew the doors off Indiana they didn't really have the pieces to be that good that consistently right. and running into a team like Wake Forest that just ended up being a poor matchup for them it with the injuries that they've had this year, and I don't want to use that as an excuse, no. but, uh, I mean, you go into the season, you lose Paul Bin, you lose William James Hervey. As the season goes along, one of the replacements in Brian Padilla goes yeah. down. Your front, we'll touch on all that more well, yeah, later. With we'll, the, we'll go into that more, but if they had all of those guys, they might have still lost this game because that's how good Wake Forest yeah. is, and they might, again, one of those meta things, like you said, by the time you listen to this, they may have been the national champions. They might not have been, but they're there. Um, Wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, would not, would not put it past them. Um and just with, with all those things, there was no way Maryland was going to be able to overcome this one. Yeah. Crazy environment. Great team. Yeah. Maryland was dragged. Very well coached. It was, yeah. Um, um, just a, a recipe for disaster in the end, and it just didn't work out the Terps way. Yeah. And you mentioned that Indiana result as well. Part of me thought that while Maryland was excellent, right, for that 20-minute period, Indiana really didn't bring it that day. No. And so, I mean, you could argue that for 70% of that game, it was – at least a wash, or if not, Indiana had some of the better play at times. Yeah. But for that 20 minutes, it was just a complete Blitz. avalanche yeah. for Maryland. Right, so. exactly. And so we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on those kinds of uh, themes and points throughout um, our kind of season recap on the back end of the Sasha, uh, interview with Sasha. Um, but it was, it was not exactly just kind of being there after the game. It wasn't really a – Oh man, we should have had that one. No, no. It, but I guess again, like as far as the result that kind of could have been expected, you look at the final four right now, and Maryland has played three of the four, three teams. of the four teams. Yes, right. and they were outclassed by Virginia, they were outclassed by Georgetown, and they were outclassed by Wake Forest, and that kind of went along with what I, we had been touching on throughout the year. That this year, just whether it's injuries, youth, or maybe just a hangover from last year, Maryland is maybe in the second tier of teams this year, mm -hmm. or that second or third cut of teams. Yeah. But there is a definite elite group of teams this year. Absolutely. And they played all three, and it showed that they were not part of that elite group this year. Yeah. So. And I think that's that's very well put. So a lot of that stuff will try not to be redundant kind of in the season recap because we did just cover some of that there. But, yeah, that's kind of how Maryland's title defense season, if you, if you want to call it that, came to an end. And I was thinking today when I kind of listened back to – the first two episodes that we did, we were saying, and I understand this is a natural progression throughout the year, that in the beginning of the year, we as the media and the team itself kind of fresh off the whole national championship. Thing. We were calling them the defending national champions. Yeah. We were calling them the title defense, that kind of thing. I I think midway through the season, I just being on air and stuff like that, I feel like I wasn't calling them that as much anymore because I think kind of that – that feeling had worn off, and you saw this is a very different team. It's a very different season, just the way that things have gone. And so I think that was kind of summed up in that Wake Forest game. Right. For me, that feeling wore off already in the Virginia game because yeah. as soon as they came out to play that game and Virginia just completely dominated them, yeah. Yeah. that was the point that I realized, okay, Maryland 
it's going to be an uphill battle if they're going to defend because yeah. there are some stellar teams this year. And also, given given the amount of turnover in college soccer, you know, such is the nature of the game, no yeah. one's ever really truly defending a national championship well, because well, it's... Okay. Stanford would like a word. Uh, yeah, yeah. Three sure. in a row yo, and yo, a chance yo, to yo, get no, four out of five. No, I, I, I feel you on that, but such is the nature of the game is that you're basically hitting reset every year. Sure, especially if you're an elite program such as Maryland, such as Virginia... All of those teams in the College Cup now, they're losing they're losing players next year. Yeah. And they've got to figure out a way to do it again. I will I will admit, Stanford, right, has figured out the way yes. to do it again and again and again. But there's like this idea of a of a dynasty, if you will, in college soccer is a bit more difficult to come by. I gotta just say, I mean, Stanford is on the verge of one. They won three yeah. in a row. By the time we listen to this, they could have won four of the last five. But I understand what you're saying that it's not like if you look to some other sports or if you look at you know how Juventus has won, what is it like eight of nine championships in Italy? Like that's a di- and they just buy everybody and it's the same players. Yeah. They were great. They plopped in Ronaldo as well. They continue to be great. It's still second it's, in Serie A right this now. This is true. This is true. Not important. Um, <laughs> Very but, important. But with Stanford, I get what you're saying. While they've won possibly four out of five, at the very least three out of the last five, and those three in a row, um, they've done it with a different group every year. So yeah. the same true. team different tools to get them there. So I guess I get what you're saying as far as not really being like a true dynasty dynasty because it's not like one player has been there, the stalwart like Tom Brady six Super Bowls with the yeah. Patriots. So like it's it's not that the case. It's a lot of turnover. Yeah. And so I think that all pretty much everything we just covered comes back to that loss against Wake Forest and just how th- it wasn't this team's year. It, w- it was no. last year no. and the the stars did not align this year and they lost it, the scoreline both does and does not reflect how the game went. Because Maryland, I would not say, was embarrassed in that game 3 nothing, But they were beaten handily by a very quality team in Wake Forest yeah. in that the 3 nothing result was probably fitting was probably at fitting. the end yeah. of the day. Sasha Sarovsky teams don't get embarrassed, though. No. no. It's funny the way, like, how they the 3 nothing scoreline ended up being fitting. And you mentioned that, you know, this year wasn't Maryland's year, last year was. It's kind of funny how it's all, in my four years, it kind of worked out. Like, the first two years, they probably should have won national championships. Yeah. yeah the third year, you had it rough. The third year, they had no business being no. in the tournament until the last, like, couple weeks of the season. And then they won the whole damn thing. Yeah. And then this year was kind of just the first year that went as expected. Yeah. Where th- this is literally the first, in my four years, this is the first year that went as expected. Um, and I, we'll get to the... I'll mention it yeah, when we yeah, talk yeah. about the season. Uh, when you revisit Tom's season prediction, so after he, <laughs> oh, he looks good. really bad, I could look good. Yeah. Um, but this is the first year that You've went. You've got another as year expected. of experience, mate. <laughs> that's my excuse. Sure, that's it. By next year, just you wait. Okay. Just you wait. Um. So that kind of puts a close on the Wake Forest and the recap of the two games because it had been a while since we when we hadn't talked about either of those. So it had been a little while since we were able to actually have a conversation about that so now we're kind of going to move into the interview with Sasho and again at the time of recording this podcast I haven't had the interview yet but I kind of just want to talk to him because he and I and the, the three of us together have talked to him a lot outside of podcasts outside of press conference okay fine Tom you haven't as much but that's just kind of the nature of it I mean Joe and I before every game that we broadcast go down and talk to Sasha before the game while the team's warming up and all that so We've talked to him about a lot of different things. We've gotten his thoughts on a lot of different things. I wouldn't necessarily say off the record, but more behind the scenes things. And so I want to talk to him a little bit about kind of some of the themes that we're going to discuss and have discussed and get his takes on them as well, because 
I mean, he's the man when it comes down to this. He's been doing this for 27 seasons now, and he's gone through a lot of different types of seasons. I mean, Joe just mentioned a handful of right there just yeah, in sure. his time. So I kind of want to talk to him just about this year, about the injuries, about how he saw his team play, about the bigger picture of college soccer this year and what's been a very exciting season. Sure. And just kind of get his closing thoughts so that we can – kind of close the book on 2019 as we look forward to 2020. So here is our interview with Maryland head coach Sasha Sarovsky. So now joined by Maryland head coach Sasha Sarovsky. And, Coach, thank you for taking the time to kind of wrap up the season with me. Great to be with you. It was a, it was a, it was a very satisfying season on, on, on many different levels. And so we'll kind of start with the Wake Forest game because that's kind of where yeah. we, we left off with the podcast and all the coverage and things like that. So down in Winston-Salem, 3 nothing loss to a team that lost in the College Cup semifinals, went very yeah. deep, deep yeah. and it was a pretty tight game. What, were, what was your kind of assessment of that game? Well, I, I was very pleased with uh, how we started the game, um, played well. We were very unfortunate that Wake scored a goal off of a loose ball on an errant shot uh, off of a corner. Uh, so they were very opportunistic at that point. Um, but <clears throat> from there, things went downhill. Uh, when you look at uh, uh, Ben DeRosa and Brett St. Martin, who both got injured in the Iona game, uh, essentially pulled themselves out. You know, Brett with a broken nose and Ben with a... Uh, a really uh, strange shoulder uh, where he could barely run. Uh, so now, in addition to all the other injuries, we're down a man, and and you know Wake, Wake's depth I think started to take over as the game progressed. Um, um, and then uh, you know we caused a little bit of a sloppy turnover we hadn't caused since maybe earlier in the year on their second goal. But that's a time when we had to move so many bodies around. I, you know, we we had. Uh, Chris Rindov at center back, who really done a nice job for us this year, but hadn't played in big games like that at center back. And Nick Richardson slid out of the midfield to outside back, and they, they caught us in a quick little counter on a, on a sloppy turnover, and essentially the game was over there. But uh, you know, next 15 seconds after that second goal, we almost scored a goal. Uh, we had a great uh, combination playoff to kickoff, and um, you know Eric and Malcolm combined. And if we score that goal, who knows what can happen? Um, but, you know, the game ended, Wake was a deserving winner, um, and I just remember being uh, very proud of my team um, for getting to the second round and, and, and really giving Wake uh, a, a good game in spite of just being a really, really uh, uh, thin team and beaten up and exhausted from, from the challenging year. And you kind of you mentioned kind of being a thin team. That's something. I mean, you and I have talked about a lot this year. Yeah. Is that if you had had the guys healthy like Paul Bin, William yeah. James, Rave, Brian Padilla, how this could have been a different season. What were you guys kind of missing without having those guys on the field all this year? Well, you know, we're already a big game on the team schedules. But when you have the title of a reigning national champion, uh, then you get everyone's not just a plus effort, but maybe a plus plus effort. So. <laughs> So you know, we, we played the hardest schedule in the country. You know, we're the only team in the country to play both Georgetown and Virginia as non-conference games. And obviously they were the two best teams in the country this year. Um, so I think as the season progressed, you know, we had seven or so players that were that played almost every minute of every game. You know, the, the DeRosas and uh, the Twins, uh, Johannes Bergman, um, Brett St. Martin, Eli Cronali, Nick Richardson, Eric Matsulevich, and, and then Justin Gillen. So you had these, you know, seven warriors that just never got off the field. Um, and I think they were just a fraction of themselves as we got late in the year. And uh, uh, not having the depth, not having the ability to rotate your squad, being able to withstand um, uh, the challenge, 
um, and then taking some additional injuries. It was just it was just a, a bridge too far for our team. It was just a, a little too much to ask for. Um, um, so I was very proud of our team this year, but I, I can't think of another top team that had to deal with the quality attacking losses that we had to. You know, Paul Bin was one thing being lost through preseason. We sort of weathered that, and then Will getting hurt in the first game and really never ever coming back uh, was was a was a major blow. But we just kept waiting and hoping that he'd come back and and play a pivotal role. Unfortunately, that never happened. And then. Then we saw the emergence of Brian Padilla, you know, getting better every game. And then the eighth game of the year uh, in warm-ups, you know, he he, he has a, a crushing knee injury. And it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for a team that, you know, that needs to have some possession, needs to pin other teams down in there, and uh, we just didn't have the quality uh, to sustain that throughout the year. Um, but we, we, you know, we talk now about the injuries, but during the year we never use them as excuses um, we just, you know, kept pushing on, pushing on, and really believed we're going to win every game. We went to Wake. I really believe we're going to win that game. Um, and we, like I said, we got off to a great start, and a couple of moments didn't go our way. And then, you know, I thought overall the Wake steps took over. And so you, we've talked about these injuries, and kind of the flip side of that was you got a lot of young guys that were able to yeah. come in and get significant minutes. Yeah. I totaled up to the freshmen playing almost 8,000 minutes as a group yeah. this year. And, uh, I mean, Malcolm Johnson, yeah. Kovacic. Yeah. What did you kind of see from that young group of guys in their first college season? Well, I, I, I thought we had a really good group of, of uh, incoming players, but I also felt like uh, Nick Richardson, who redshirted last year, uh, really had a great year for us. You know, kids who were recruited to play in the back line, had to jump into midfield and, and had a great year. And at the end of the year, was you know, it was just beat up a little too much. But, uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of really good performance by the freshmen. There was games we started five freshmen. Some games I played seven or eight freshmen in the course of a game, which was, which is, uh, that, that's a big challenge uh, when you're playing top 20 teams every week. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I was very pleased with all of them in particular. But, I, you know, guys like Nick Richardson really stood tall and Nicholas Neumann emerged as a as a top goalkeeper. Malcolm Johnson, I think, showed that he was among the best freshmen, incoming freshmen in the country. Uh, David Kovacic had some terrific moments. And then guys like Justin Harris and, and uh, uh, you know, Chris Rindov and Jacob Chacroon and I'm probably missing a few guys, uh, Isaac <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, they, they, they showed these guys can play at this level and, and they're going to be factors. And I, I think this is kind of one of these years where you maybe it was uh, uh, the old law of the harvest. Maybe this was a year that we're going to plant the seeds mm -hmm. and, and nurture them and, and hopefully, you know, reap the rewards uh and hopefully it's next season the seniors on the other end i mean just give you a chance to kind of talk about them we'll start with luke brown the transfer coming in from hofstra yeah you know luke luke was a terrific young man and uh i think i probably made a little bit of a mistake early on i i i tried to make luke our number 10 um felt like he could play underneath in that role and 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 i think he had a tough time adjusting to particularly the defensive responsibilities we won out of that role um, and then it took me about five or six games to figure it out that I really need to push him back up top. Um, in retrospect, I probably should have thought about changing our formation to a two front, uh, especially after we lost, uh, you know, Willie, Will Herve and Paul Bin. But we kept hoping Will was going to come back and uh, probably should have tweaked that. But I give Luke credit. You know, he, he stuck with it. Um, he dealt with some of the adversity of not being a, a regular uh, starter on our team. And I thought... You know, he had his two best games of the year in the last two of the year for us, and uh, I give him a lot of credit. So, you know, and then obviously when you go 
past Luke, you, you go to Eli Cornelli, who uh, I thought was one of the great, you know, sort of college success stories from a kid that we didn't think was good enough to recruit. He was too small and tiny. <laughs> he, he went to Belmont, which is where I recommended he go. Uh, had a great freshman year, came here as a transfer, you know, bought his time, sat in the bench, worked hard, got better, and and then emerged in his junior year uh, from not starting the beginning of the year to being one of our pivotal players to win a national title, and, and then this year being the captain of our team and, you know, be, become one of the best midfielders in uh, in the Big Ten this year. Um, just a, a great rising story, and I think he's, he's on a good trajectory. I think he's going to continue to get better. Um, and obviously, you know, him and his brother Alex leave a very nice Cornelli legacy here at Maryland. Very proud of them. Uh, and then Johannes Bergman, who um, uh, is just a, a very mature, stoic, great player and who got better every year here. You know, he came here uh, three years ago and, you know, took a chance on Maryland without even visiting here. He committed, uh, came here, I think, fell in love with it. I just actually just finished having lunch with him and it was a. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very nice uh, emotional uh, moment because it goes by quick. And, uh, I, you know, he, he certainly showed this year that he's, he was probably the best left center back in the country. Um, and hopefully he gets drafted, has a chance to, to play on. But, uh, you know, with Eli and, and um, Johannes, we're losing two pivotal starters that were had important roles this year. And I think we, we have some quality players to, to hop into those spots, but they're already on the team and bringing in some a talented freshman group that we're still working to finalize. I think we, you know, we're set for potentially a, 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 a contending run next year. Part of the freshman that you brought in for this year, Nicholas Neumann, who we said kind of, I asked you almost every time I saw you, have you picked a starter yet for yeah, the first few yeah. games of the season? What was that battle kind of like? Because Neumann eventually kind of yeah, won out and yeah. went on to do very well. Yeah. But what was that like from your side? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see because I, I you know, I, I think Russell Shields is a very talented goalkeeper and Nicholas was very talented. And that was one of the question marks we had to answer was, you know, let's let's rotate him until we see, you know, w- one guy starts to maybe uh, emerge. Um and I think just the way the season unfolded, I think I don't know four or five, six games in, um, you know, he he got into a good run of games, but he kept getting better every day in practice, and with every game, kept getting better and better. But what makes me so proud is the relationship Russell and Nicholas had all year. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, you know, when uh, um, when Nicholas took a head injury, I think the sixth game of the year, um, Russell came in and had a terrific performance. Uh, when Nicholas had to come out of a game at Ohio State for personal reasons, <laughs> uh, you know, Russell came in. I just thought that the, that that's what I want to see in my goalkeepers, a great relationship. And uh, um, but but he, he, you know, as the season progressed, he, he showed that he was uh, um, he was becoming our number one goalkeeper. Uh, we are bringing a very talented keeper next year. Um, so I think the question marks that we had in goal um, coming into this season uh, uh, I don't think we'll have those. I think we'll have increased competition. I think we're going to have a, a, a quality, uh, experienced goalkeeper um, or a quality goalkeeper, uh, you know, coming in. Jamie Lowell, one of our freshmen coming in, is very, very talented. And 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 certainly watching uh, the way Georgetown rotated their keepers, yeah. if, if these guys are good enough, well, I'll rotate them. Moving from kind of the defensive side to the offensive side, Eric Matsalevich Jr. got the armband this year, and he was kind of coming in, filling in the role of Sebastian Elney. What did you kind of see from him? Kind of ended up top of the scoring charts, but yeah. had some adversity kind of in the middle of the season. Yeah, Eric is just a great, great kid. I mean, he's 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 Mr. Maryland. You know, he he's here all summer. He's here all winter. He works hard. He he, he just. 
he, he embodies, I think, everyone, everything we want. He's a really good student. He's a really good teammate. Uh, he's very supportive, whatever role he has. He's, uh, he's great. And he scored some big goals for us this year. Um, I, I think you know, it was difficult on Eric because when you lose your right winger and you lose your left winger and you lose your attacking midfielder, uh, it gets a little bit unpredictable how you might get your chances. So I think there was times it was hard for him and our team to establish a rhythm in our attack. Um, and I think you saw that. We, we kept trying to uh, refine it, but there was always maybe a little lacking. Uh, but Eric scored six goals. Um, I think um, you know I, I, I think he scored some big goals. Uh, the one area that he he didn't really, uh, uh, I think he maybe fell short, was he didn't have any assists this year. Um, and that's an area that, uh, you know, I want Eric to get better on with his creativity and his ability to put other people into the game. Now, he probably should have had a couple of assists. We, we missed some, <laughs> some bunnies. But uh, but Eric uh, is a guy that's gotten better every year, and I suspect that he'll have his best year at Maryland in his senior year. Malcolm Johnson is one of the freshmen that we keyed in on yeah. a lot this year. Seemed to play a lot of yeah, different positions. Yeah. You told me he just yeah. kind of has to be on yeah. the field. What was your yeah. takeaway from him this year? Oh, yeah, he, he was fantastic. I think um, I, Malcolm is, a, is just a soccer player. I mean, you know, his brother Alistair played right back at Wake Forest this year, and he was a little bit like Malcolm in that he played, you know, five or six yeah. different <laughs> positions. I think, I think Malcolm, I could put him in any position in the field except maybe goalkeeper, and I think <laughs> he would be very good at. Um, so... Um, you know, he played as a as a as a left winger, right winger. He played as attacking midfielder. He played as a defensive midfielder. Um, he, he was very good everywhere. He scored some big goals. He's very calm and composed. He's very strong. He's got a steel mentality. Um, and uh, I think he I think he's going to become one of our one of our big players over the next few years. And so we've talked about a lot of the individual players, but I want to ask you, because we had our own opinion on this, who would you maybe say was the unsung hero of your team this year, if you kind of had to narrow it down to one or two? Oh, God, I think a lot of them fall in the category, a little bit of unsung hero, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of them, you know, uh, earned a lot of stripes this year, but um, oh, gosh, that would be difficult. I would probably say, um, you know, you know, if, if I can put Nick Richardson um maybe at the top of that list because he sort of played out of position, mm -hmm. covered a lot of ground, uh, competes hard. Uh, it's hard to put Matt and Ben DeRosa in that because I think they, they both have been here a couple of years yeah. and, and expectations were high for them to do what they did this year. But I, I would probably say, um, you know, uh, I was very pleased with, with Nick Richardson's uh, um, contributions this year. Uh, you know, I, I really was very pleased with Justin Gielen, uh and the performance, he's still playing out of position as a right winger, uh, but he scored a couple of really nice goals for us this year, key moments, and competed very, very hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think, I think it, there's there's a there's a bunch of guys that could fall into that unsung hero category. Nick was our consensus of the unsung yeah, hero because yeah. Joe and I were commenting how we hardly say his name on a broadcast, but that's sometimes a good thing for yeah. a guy in that position. Yeah. So, kind of stepping out to the bigger picture, last year it was very easy to see you made one tactical shift that kind of changed the trajectory of the yeah. season, switching the double pivot. There wasn't as much maybe one decision this year, but tactically throughout the course of the year, without giving away any secrets, obviously, what how did you kind of adjust? With the injuries and what you were seeing from the team well as i said earlier in the broadcast i, I the one area i probably regret not uh you know adjusting maybe middle of the year was maybe to switch into a two forward system uh, some version of a four four two or maybe even a three five two because uh, we, we we really were playing without wingers uh, but i i kept 
I stuck with it because I kept thinking Will was going to come back, and I thought Will would have been uh, really an instrumental winger for us this year coming back, but that never happened. Um, you know, we, we, we switched a lot this year. There was a bunch of games we, we switched in-game um, a lot more this year than last year just to um, to find some advantage in that game. Um, so you saw us go to a 3-5-2 quite a bit this year. It was effective in more often than not. Uh, but we were a lot of times chasing the game uh, at that point. Um, so I, I think we, we almost took our 4-3-3 and made it a little bit more of a defensive 4-2-3-1 as the season progressed just because we, we, we couldn't keep the ball as much. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and I think this spring is going to be a good opportunity for us to maybe look at uh, some tactical shifts. Um, you know, one of the challenges in the course of a college soccer season is having the time to implement mm -hmm. a, a real tactical shift um, and we were still having some moderate success throughout the year so it was wasn't really quite there to ready make that change <laughs> uh, we we're actually a little bit more desperate a year ago when we made the change yeah. <laughs> than we were this year so maybe maybe we, we sh should have been a little more desperate uh, and then I mean, you've been here 27 years now, and I know you more than anybody will agree that as a coach, you're still learning every single yeah. day. What was maybe the biggest thing you learned from this season? Um, I, uh, I, I think I probably need to have a little bit more depth into my squad. Um, I, um, I, we, we brought a lot, of, a lot of players this year, um, and um, – I think I think we got hurt with a little bit of a lack of depth. Um, my teams have always been very deep, and I thought this year was was a year where we maybe, uh, you know, we had I think 13 new players at one time. Uh, that's a big recruiting class <laughs> to to uh, to rely on the depth. But I don't know if that's something I, you know you learn. I I think I'm constantly learning. I I, I love my job. I love the challenge of helping these young players. Uh, you know, find ways to grow as people, find ways to win games, find ways to overcome adversity in difficult times. Um, as I start, said at the beginning of this broadcast, it was a, a strangely satisfying year. Um, you know, typically if we lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament, I'm, I'm feeling this is like the worst <laughs> day of my life and the worst season. And But I thought this year with, with the challenges that we had in front of us and the kind of effort and the culture we had within the guys, it, 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 it feels like we uh, we did about as good as we could have done, and I don't feel like you know I don't feel like there's a lot of emptiness from well, I wish we could have done this, could have done that. Yes, maybe we could have tweaked our our our, our tactical approach a little bit, but even there, I, I can make a counter argument for for not doing that. Um, so I don't have a lot of emptiness. Um, I'm still disappointed because our expectations are to be in the final weekend of college soccer. Um, but sometimes that just, you know, doesn't happen. You know, when I look at the two finalists this year with Georgetown and Virginia, it was remarkable that um, they had the same starting lineup they had most of the year mm -hmm. that weekend. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't have any serious injuries. Um, and even when they had some scares, uh, it just turned out to be that those kids were okay. <laughs> and, and I've had some good years like that as well. And this year, you know, it was just one of, one of those years where we, we didn't catch the, the, the healthy breaks. And, and, uh, but, you know, next year maybe we make up for it. We've focused a lot on this podcast about kind of the personality of the team and how just yeah. kind of having the guys talk. It's very easy to see there's a great chemistry about this team. Do you have maybe one moment or story or one kind of thing that kind of shows, I mean, just how fun this team is to kind of be around? 
I don't know. I don't know if I can if that one moment or story comes out. But uh, all I know is I, I I hardly ever got really mad at this group. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I just never really even in games that we lost, they were just a really hard group to really get angry at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there was there was no off field issues all year. There was never a lack of effort. Uh, there was times when our quality wasn't quite what we what we like it to be. Mm-hmm. But even in in those moments when sometimes I would just really um, you know, dig in on them. It, they were a hard team to really get mad at. <laughs> they were just a, uh, just a, a bunch of great kids who really support each other all year, um, who fought hard every game. As I said, I thought they played like champions, even though we, we didn't win any championships this year. But that's part of what you want. You know, I think when you do that, and if, if we can maybe add a little more quality, catch a few more breaks, then I think that we have a shot to to bring back some hardware next year. You talk about the championships, you had the Big Ten tournament, so running into Indiana time and time and time again, that's kind of one of the big in Big Ten rivals formed throughout any Maryland sport. What is kind of your take, because you now had another year of all that, some other kind of classic matchups, what are you kind of seeing in that dynamic there? Yeah, I think I think uh, Maryland-Indiana is, uh, is, is as good as it gets in college soccer now. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've been part of a lot of the what are the biggest games of the year whether yeah. it's with Virginia with UCLA with with uh, uh, with with maybe even Stanford but mm-hmm. but the Maryland Indiana game is 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 fantastic when you look at it you know they've been to 18 college cups we've been to 13 college cups you know they've won uh, eight titles we've won four titles um, we're now in the same conference um, you know when I was a player at Wisconsin Milwaukee Indiana was a program that I kind of looked up to said someday I want my own Indiana mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have that now here. We're on the East Coast, and and uh, you know, if if you look at the meaningful games we played against each other, is is quite remarkable. We've played in the College Cup semifinal. We've played in in Big Ten tournaments. I think four of the first six years we've been in the league, <laughs> whether it's in the in the semis or finals. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to constantly run into each other, um, and you know, I, I really have a lot of time and respect for their their history, their heritage their coaches, their players. I think there's a lot of friendships. Um, you know, Johannes just came back from the combine and was, you know, was hanging out most of the time with Jack Mayer. You know, <laughs> so so it was, it, it, it's very cool. Uh, but at the same time, we want to beat each other pretty bad during the season. And we saw that last year. You know, we, we had a great first game against them and they had a great second game yeah. against us. And, you know, next year, I'm, I'm sure that game will be one of the games of the year. My next question was actually going to be about kind of the combine because Johannes just went down there. Indiana has a lot of guys there as well. There's kind of been a change this year from what it's been in the past, and we talk a lot about the kind of the future of college soccer and its relevance and everything. They're kind of moving to, like, not as big a profile type of thing. What is kind of your take on the changes that they've made kind of with the college players coming into the league? Well, it's it's a necessary evolution of the growth of MLS and maybe the lack of growth of the college game. Um, and this is why I spend most of my time to help the college game become more significant and grow. Um, but if you look at the profile of MLS, it's become a little bit more international in nature. They're getting a lot more money. Uh, there's fewer um, uh, American kids getting the lineup, and and they're not getting paid very well either. So. It's a natural evolution of, uh, you know, the combine now is called the showcase. Mm-hmm. It went from 64 players to 40 players. Um, and uh, I, I think I think there, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think MLS is doing what they need to do. Um, I think it's important for us as college coaches to make sure that we sort of reverse that trend again and, and 
and and make college soccer uh, a bigger deal, a better platform uh, for for all the kids playing, all 5,000 kids, with the hope that the 50 or so that go play pro are 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 more prepared and ready to go. Um, so that's why I'm working hard on that stuff. But um, I, I think there's going to be, you know, like every year, I think there'll be 20 or 30 kids coming into MLS this year making a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's never going to change. Um, and um, I, 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 what I liked about what they did this year and worked hard with MLS to move this along was to have the showcase of the College Cup made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. The, the players are a little bit better shape. They're, they're, they're not off for two months before a game. They might be off two or three weeks, but, but they're in good shape. And I heard that, by and large, uh, the quality of the players uh, and the performance was, was at a higher level than in previous combines when the players get a little rusty um, and, and maybe don't show as well. So I, I think it was uh, overall a good event. And so you're continuing to build the program here. You got your new lights up at the stadium. Great turnouts again. How do you kind of continue to see this program develop? Because I know you have some yeah. things that you're looking to kind of build, both yeah. figuratively and literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you keep this going? We have to build a soccer stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know it's been 27 years since I've been here, um, and and I I feel there's a lot of momentum happening uh, right now on campus. Um, that I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's. Uh, I think it's it, it's uh, it's very it's it's time that we are able to celebrate the history and and prepare for the future success of of Maryland soccer, um, and uh, that's something that is very very important to me uh, to eventually have a soccer specific stadium um, that uh, you know honors our past and and uh, and ensures our future. Um, and uh, I also, you know, this is a huge year. 2020 is a huge year. Um, uh, this is the year of the vote on the, mm-hmm. on, on the two-semester soccer proposal known as the 21st century model. And we've, we've dubbed it that because I think it's time, you know, 20 years into this century that uh, the administrators uh, in college sports uh, start recognizing that many of the playing practices and schedules across all sports don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think... Um, College soccer. The men's the men's coaches are at the forefront of of a five year process. Put together a very good holistic model that is good for the players and good for the game. And uh, I'm very hopeful that by uh, mid April of this year that this passes and that uh, uh, it will be the catalyst for a, a rebirth of the college game and a, and a re-energization. I think of of uh, college soccer being celebrated. Um, from the youth and the professional level in this country. Um, so that that's a big deal. Uh, and then hopefully if we can, you know, get some good news in the stadium in early 2020 and if we can uh, get good news on a two-semester model in in the middle of 2020, yeah. I would like to cap it off with another title in, in uh, at the end of 2020. So. Well, there you, well, my <laughs> final question was going to be, I know it's way too far to look ahead to next season, but you're getting Paul back, Will back, Brian back. You have these freshmen that played significant minutes this year. You have a very talented freshman recruiting class coming in yeah. that's still yeah. to be added to. Yeah. What are kind of the, here in mid-December, almost a year away, what are kind of the, what's the outlook for next year? No, I, I feel great about it. I think, I think we just, you know, need to knock on wood and, 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 and <laughs> And, and go to go to church and pray that, that we can stay healthy. I think if we if we can get some good fortune and get some health uh, this year, I think we, you know I think we have a chance of playing the last weekend. Um, 
You know, I liked Santa Barbara two years ago. I'd like to yep. go back. Um, <laughs> now, look, I, I, there's a lot of really good teams in college soccer and, and a lot of highly motivated teams. But, you know, we're, we're bringing back um, a lot of players that had some great experiences, as we've mentioned, mm-hmm. bringing some very good new players. I think the key is to try to get, you know, make sure we can get Paul and Brian and Will mm-hmm. uh, not only back but playing at a high level. And I suspect that, um, you know, it will take some time for them as well. But if we can get off to a good start and get them back in at the right time, then I think I think we can be we can be a team to be reckoned with. Well, Coach, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for everything this season. Yeah. It's been a really fun year for all of us over at WMUC. Well, thanks, Brendan, to you and your entire staff at WMUC. You guys do a fantastic job. You've all got bright futures, and it's a, it's been a delight to work with you all. Thank you. Appreciate okay. that. So once again, we'd like to thank Sasha Sarovsky for sitting down with me to talk all about this crazy 2019 season and what really has been a very exciting year and he he's been fantastic to all three of us yeah. this year and we'll kind of do that more in the in the closing the thank yous and things like that but um, Brendan's gonna have a long list yes I have I, I prepared <laughs> a, a speech um, <laughs> yes I, the, the, the tissues that's for your goodbye um, yeah, honestly though that will do it for part one of this episode of the Ludwig Lowdown. Come back tomorrow for part two, where Joe, Tom, and I recap the 2019 season and give our season superlatives. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Thanks for listening. Catch part two tomorrow right here on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your host, Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!